Special thanks to Dragon Army for sponsoring this podcast. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. No matter how long ago someone was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, and no matter the struggles someone faces today, there are likely other people who share the same challenges. Today, it's estimated that at least 154,000 people in the U.S. have stage 4 or metastatic breast cancer. Although metastatic breast cancer currently cannot be cured, it can be treated, focusing on living a longer, healthier life with breast cancer. Today, I have the pleasure and honor of talking with Carol Smith. Carol, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. Well, give us give us a little bit about your story. Tell us about you. I was uh, diagnosed with stage 1 hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer in 2013. That's a pretty common type of breast cancer. And it was a small tumor in my breast. So to treat it, I had two surgeries to try to get all of the tumor out, four rounds of chemotherapy, and then 30 rounds of radiation to try to get rid of all the cancer. Um, I then went on tamoxifen after my treatment and then started living my life, continuing trying to go back to a normal life. I was eating right. I was running. I played tennis. I was in the best shape of my life, doing about a half a marathon every month. Wow. Yeah. And then in late 2015, I started having some back pain and it got worse and worse. And we did an MRI and found out that the breast cancer had moved into my spine. This was not bone cancer. This is breast cancer that had moved into my spine, then was diagnosed with stage four or metastatic breast cancer. So I had surgery to shore that up um, on one of my vertebrae and radiation on a couple of other spots in addition to the first spot where the cancer was seen. Started on some drugs to try to keep the cancer at bay because this, as you said, is not curable, but it is treatable. So I started on a new drug at the time, which was called Ibrance, and then a, a complementary drug called Letrozole. I also started a bone strengthening drug to make sure my bones were healthy, even though I had cancer in them. Not that long after that, I had some more cancer in my bones, so I, so I switched up the Letrozole to another drug called Fazildex. And I stayed on that combination for a total of about two years. So in February last year, I found out that the cancer had moved to my liver as well not fun to hear about. So I had to change drugs again. And this time I moved to a drug called capsidabine, which is also called Zolota. And that drug worked for a little over a year. And then I found out that I have more cancer in my liver. And so about a month ago, I started on another set of drugs called Verzenio. Um, and we'll know actually probably later today if that drug is working. I had some blood tests actually this morning to see if that uh, drug combination is holding back the cancer, or if I may have to switch drugs again. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I'll be on some kind of medication for the rest of my life, basically trying to keep the cancer from progressing as long as possible. But it's very likely, you know, to be real, that it will kill me in the next few years, given the statistics. Wow. That is quite the journey. And, and I, I imagine a lot to overcome. Uh, so just walk us through just a little bit more about it, just so we can understand a little bit more about what metastatic breast cancer is. So like, what does that actually mean? What is that? So to put it in the, the easiest terms of how I explain it to my mom and my elderly grandmothers is that um, it's breast cancer cells that have left the breast and taken up residence in another part of the body and then grown. Okay. We don't know why that happens, why it happens for some people and not for others. It can happen a year after your initial treatment or 20 years after your initial treatment or anywhere in between. Hmm. 
And, and really 30 to 40% of the women and men who have stage one through three breast cancer, one, two or three breast cancer, will have it reoccur elsewhere in the body and become metastatic at some point in their lives. Okay. I see. So, I see. Okay. Yeah. And so is there anything that you'd like people to know about metastatic breast cancer from, you know, from obviously you've experienced it at a much deeper level than, than most people. Uh, so what, what do you want us to know about that? So a couple things. One, it's incurable. The average lifespan of someone who has metastatic breast cancer is about three years. Okay. I'm at three and a half, so I'm kind of a little bit beyond that. But depending on your type of breast cancer, because um, there are a number of different subtypes, the treatment options will vary, and, and they are really, really specific to your type of breast cancer. So you really need to make sure you understand that. And then I have a couple of things to think about for people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer and are worried about if it's spread. There's a couple of signs to look for. Mm -hmm. Would that be helpful? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. So sure. So the couple of things to think about are that if you've got things like sudden weight loss or muscle or bone pain that doesn't go away or gets worse after a few weeks, so it looks like it feels like it's something other than something that happened with your working out or something else. Right. If you've got shortness or breath or coughing or something that doesn't get better with antibiotics or some other kind of treatments, um, if you've got shoulder pain on your right shoulder, actually that can indicate cancer in your liver, mm. or if you're just feeling kind of off for more than a couple of weeks, if you've had breast cancer or even if you haven't had breast cancer, go to your doctor and insist. I mean, they may choose to not believe you. So insist on an MRI or a CT scan of your torso or wherever the pain is to get it checked out. Yeah. Um, you'd rather have it, you'd rather be safe than sorry. If it is cancer, you really want to get that taken care of as quickly as possible and start on whatever our appropriate treatments are. So you really have to be kind of vigilant, even if you have had even just stage one breast cancer that looked like it had been totally treated and it was 10 years ago. Right. If something's not feeling right, you really need to get that checked out. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of guests have talked about. If something doesn't seem right with your body, trust your instinct. You know yourself. Go get it checked out. Be your own advocate, right? Because a lot of times that's not easy to do. Yeah. You, you really, really do have to be your own advocate. Breast cancer, especially metastatic breast cancer treatment, is not an exact science. While there are a number of drugs that have you know specific treatments for specific types of cancer, the order in which you can do them or how you might incorporate something like radiation therapy in addition to drug therapy really kind of varies based on you as a person and also as well as palliative care, what kind of pain management or, or complementary therapies you need really are going to vary based on who you are and, and where your cancer is and how you're feeling. And if you're not comfortable doing that yourself, find a friend, find a relative to help you in those conversations with your doctor and your care team. Yeah, that's something we don't, we don't think about. We can have other people be our advocates. So we, can take them, we can take them with you, right, uh, to points yeah, of yeah, that they can, totally. they can be your advocate. Hey, Real Pink listeners. I want to share with you another way you can support the fight against breast cancer. When looking for breast cancer shirts, hats, and gifts, visit shopcoman.com. Shopcoman has a variety of breast cancer apparel, accessories, and gifts that all support Susan G. Komen. 100% of the proceeds benefit Susan G. Komen's mission to end breast cancer. Visit shopcoman.com today and help save lives. So going back, you know, just a, just a moment to the journey that you've been on, you know, you, you listed the medications and, and, and all that. And that's, yeah. it's just astronomical, I'd imagine. And so how have you coped with that? How have you coped with a diagnosis and then all of the bumps along the road, but from, from then until now? 
That, yeah, that's that's it's been an interesting challenge, Adam. I mean, when I was first diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, I thought I was going to die immediately. I really did. I had no kind of basis for understanding. I don't have any kind of genetic markers for breast cancer in my family, even though I do have breast cancer in my family. So I, I had no frame of reference on this. I thought I was going to die. Right. And then after my cancer responded to the first treatments I was on, I realized I wasn't going to die soon. And I started getting used to what this new normal was like. And then a little over a year ago, the cancer progressed to my liver. And frankly, I was scared. Your liver has to be healthy to live. It's got a very important function. And so I was crushed. I was scared. And I try to stay grounded and try to stay present in the moment and worry about tomorrow when the time comes. But to be very honest, it is incredibly frightening to have uh, your doctor tell you that your cancer has progressed. It's it's just really, really scary. Yeah. And I've chosen to just kind of mourn for a little bit or be scared for a little bit and then kind of suck it up and move on. Yeah, I mean, you got to get up and keep moving, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Got it. Got it. And, spe- and speaking of that, you know, keeping moving, um, you still mm-hmm. seem very active. I mean, so, so talk to me a little bit about how do you take care of yourself? Like, what does that look like right now? Um, well, for me, I, I'm pretty lucky. I'm not in any pain from breast cancer. So I'm very lucky in that regard. And I try to be as active as I can. I want to be as strong as I can for as long as possible to withstand this lifetime of treatment mm-hmm. that I'm yeah. on. I mean, I'm going to be on some kind of treatment for the rest of my life. And for me to be healthy and eligible for potential clinical trials or to even handle the next more toxic drug Mm. that comes down the way, I need to be as healthy as I can. So I run, I play tennis, I do CrossFit kinds of things. um, I really do like running. That's actually my favorite. And I've run um, 52 half marathons and seven marathons, all with cancer in my body. What? Yeah. That's unbelievable. 52 half marathons. In seven marathons. Over over what time period? So I started, my first half marathon was in January of 2013. So about eight months before I was diagnosed yeah. with breast yeah. cancer. But that I mean, the cancer was still of there. Course, then. Yeah. I just hadn't found it. Yeah. In January 2013 was my first half marathon. And I have done 52 half marathons. I feel like that's like a Guinness Book of World Records sort of thing right there. You should apply for it. That, that's unbelievable. That's amazing. <laughs> There's, there's actually, you know, there are quite a few of us met athletes, as I call them, who are women, uh, and I mostly know women who have done things like run the Boston Marathon, run all seven major marathons, and and we don't look sick because it's not the cancer that causes us to look sick; it's the drugs that we're yeah, on right. that causes us to look sick. So if you were to meet me in, you know, at a restaurant or whatever, you would never know that I had breast cancer by looking at me because I look like a normal, healthy. Middle-aged yeah. woman. Wow. I mean, I also try to eat pretty cleanly. I try to eat a lot of salad. I drink a lot of water. I really like sleeping. So I try to get about seven or eight hours of sleep a night and mentally try not to worry too much about what might happen in the future. Yeah. I have a really, really, really great therapist. I also try to get a massage every week, which helps me out as well. Yeah. And I've had to work with some therapy with my family as well. I think that's also important because my husband and my children are have also had to deal with my diagnosis. And so having us all kind of work through the fear and the issues and the everything that comes up with somebody having cancer have really, really helped all of us deal with this diagnosis. Yeah. So it's, it's really just trying to take care of the best I can, be as educated as I can about my own cancer and, and my own treatment options and stuff, and just try to 
live every day the best I can. So a minute ago, you mentioned that, you know, uh, actually, you, I think you, you said you refer to yourselves as met athletes. And so, so it sounds mm-hmm. like you've, you've kind of created, you've got a, a bit of a community around you. Can you, can you just talk a little bit about that? Like what has been the most helpful in creating that community of support around you? Well, I'm a big Facebook user. So for me, going onto Facebook was where I kind of naturally started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's a number of groups on Facebook to join both. Uh, if, if anybody is on Facebook and looking for support groups, just type in metastatic breast cancer in the search area and you'll find any number of, of Facebook groups that can be helpful um, for you if you want to. And I, and I am in a number of those that are both local in where I live in, in Ohio, um, um, or regional, um, so that I can help when we talk about, um, either doctors or treatments. Um, there's a bunch of national international groups that are also super helpful on helping cope with side effects or learning about side effects or learning about new drug treatments or new clinical trials. All of that kind of stuff and, and just kind of general support of, you know, somebody else is there and has been there and can help you just kind of deal with the day to day living through this disease. Yeah. And we all support each other and are there for each other when in the good days and the bad days and, you know, you're feeling crappy because your drugs or you've got really bad side effects and you just want to just vent to somebody. It's a great way to do yeah. that. There's other online support communities as well. I'm just not as familiar with right. them, but there's a ton of those online. And then I also have um, we're very fortunate where I live to have a, a local cancer support center and um, for all types of cancers. And every month there's a, um, a group session that's facilitated by a social worker who, um, who is just in that group is just for metastatic breast cancer. Oh, that's great. And we get together every month and just kind of share what's going on with our lives and, and again, provide that in-person support. And, and that's really just a great way to, to provide additional face-to-face people who are living the same thing you are. That's fantastic. So, so one last question, uh, if you were able to give one piece of advice to a person listening to this podcast that is dealing with and living with metastatic breast cancer, what would that piece of advice be? That you have to be your own advocate. We touched on that a little bit before, and I think that I I cannot emphasize that enough. You have to work with your oncology team to get you the treatments and um, services that work for what you need. If you need financial support, you need to work with the social workers in your hospital or with your local common chapter to help you find additional financial support. If you need help managing your side effects, you've really got to talk to your doctor and your medical team about palliative care and supportive care to help you with whatever those side effects are, whether it's pain management or issues with, with your skin or issues with your gut or whatever they are. You've got to be able to have – you've got to insist upon getting that help. Yeah. And if you're in a hospital system that, that doesn't have – doctors that are specialists in breast cancer, if you're in a smaller hospital, that your your oncologist may be somebody who deals with all kinds of cancers. And unfortunately, in that situation, it's even more incumbent upon you as the patient to work with your doctor to help that doctor understand what the new options are for you, including clinical trials, because a lot of times there may be a clinical trial that is best for you. And and you've got to just find those yourselves because your oncologist doesn't have time to do that for you. Right. Very few of them have time to do that. So definitely try to find your voice either with yourself or with somebody else to help you. I love that. Find your voice with yourself or with somebody else to help you to be your advocate. That's really, really great. Well, Carol, 
This was great. I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Uh, It's really impactful, very encouraging, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're so welcome, Adam. Glad to help. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Because inspiring happiness is at the center of everything Dragon Army does, this full-service digital agency is dedicated to building remarkable products and experiences for its partners. Dragon Army's team of experts create powerful experiences that deepen emotional connections and amplify impact in the core areas of web, mobile, content, and branding. Whether you're a Fortune 500 or a small to medium-sized company, Dragon Army is able to support your business needs. To learn more about this purpose-driven digital agency, head to dragonarmy.com slash Komen. That's D-R-A-G-O-N-A-R-M-Y dot com slash Komen.